the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Clark Hilton is engineering. James Blind is producing. Today we're going to talk with Dr. Kevin Lehman. He is the author most recently of the book simply titled Education a la Carte, Choosing the Best Schooling Option for Your Child. And we're also going to talk with Travis Weber. He's the director of the Center for Religious Liberty at the Family Research Council. We'll talk about uh, the fallout from the uh, two hurricanes in Texas and Florida and the role the churches are playing, as well as the upcoming term of the U.S. Supreme Court and some of the cases uh, we should uh, look out for. Uh, we'll talk with James Blind in the five o'clock hour about the new iPhone eight and iPhone X, as well as the new operating system and uh, the Apple Watch that was rolled out. Um, I think that was yesterday. Anyway, he's into that. I I know nothing, so he'll he'll let you know what uh, what was announced. Well, a suspect has been identified as a student at the school in Spokane, a high school that left one dead, three wounded. There was a shooting there earlier today at Freeman High School, south of Spokane, according to Spokane Public Schools. The three wounded students' ages and their injuries weren't immediately known, but the hospital's website identifies them as pediatric patients and lists them in satisfactory condition. Uh, A shooter opened fire at a high school uh, south of Spokane today, killing one student, injuring three others, sending worried parents, of course, to the school in a frenzied rush. Brian Schaefer of the Spokane Fire Department told reporters that one child died at Freeman High School. That's in Rockford, while three injured uh, victims were taken to the local hospital expected to survive. Uh, The shooter has been apprehended and is taken into custody, he said. Well, uh, Michael Harper, who's a 15-year-old sophomore at the school, told the Associated press that the suspect was a classmate who had long been obsessed with past school shootings. Harper said the suspect had brought notes to the high school in the beginning of the year saying he might get killed or jailed and that some students alerted counselors. Well, the shooter came into the school on Wednesday carrying a duffel bag, uh, Harper said, and after shots were fired, students went running and screaming down the hallways. Uh, the, again, 15-year-old student said the shooter had many friends, wasn't bullied, calling him nice, funny, and weird. Well, Schaefer, who didn't release any information about a possible motive or the age of the suspect, said the shooting was especially hard for first responders because many of them had children at that high school. A two-lane road into the community of about 500 people was clogged with vehicles. Some people abandoned their cars on the street to make it to their children. One whose son was in the school, a freshman, called her from a classroom after hearing shots fired. The mom said he called me and said, there are gunshots. He sounded so scared. I've never heard him like that, she said, speaking to the local newspaper. You never think about something happening like this at a small school. Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center and Children's Hospital received three pediatric patients. That's, I suppose, anyone under 18, according to a spokesman there. They were in stable condition, surrounded by family. Authorities didn't immediately release the ages of the victim. Uh, one um, uh, parent said she was relieved to hear her son was safe after the school near Freeman had uh, would had been put on lockdown. She commended the school district for its communication and apparently just two days earlier 
had uh, run some sort of drills for emergency lockdown. Um, so it was uh, it was well uh, managed, although there was one fatality. And again, information about the age of that fatality um, and the details are yet to be released. Meanwhile, more than 100 people were evacuated from a Florida nursing home today after six people were reported dead at the Hollywood facility, whose residents were suffering from intense heat caused by a lack of electricity after deadly Hurricane Irma swept through. Now, Irma may have moved on to rather on from Florida, but lingering dangers caused by the storm, including carbon monoxide poisoning, heat related incidents caused by a lack of air conditioning remain in the Sunshine State as millions wait for power to be restored. Power that most likely will not come anytime soon. Officials in Hollywood said at least six people succumbed and 115 were evacuated from Rehabilitation Center at Hollywood Hills, located about 20 miles north of Miami. We're conducting a criminal investigation inside said the police chief there Uh, we believe at this time they may be related to the loss of power in the storm we're conducting a criminal investigation not ruling anything out well the broward county mayor barbara sharif confirmed three people uh, were pronounced dead at the facility city officials said three additional people later died at the hospital the hollywood police and hollywood fire rescue received a call around 4 a.m at the facility found several patients in varying degrees of medical distress again without electricity without uh, any way to uh, to cool them Uh, the police chief said officers have been assigned to check 42 assisted living facilities and nursing homes in the area uh, making sure that they are sufficient, uh, sufficiently caring for their elderly. The nursing home did have a generator, but it was unclear if the generator was functional. Temperatures in Hollywood were expected to be around 88 degrees on Wednesday, but feel about 10 degrees hotter. One caseworker who declined to give his last name uh, came to the facility this morning to check on his 80-year-old dementia patient. Um, he said that he isn't sure if she was one of the dead, but he was very concerned Uh, because he felt like family. Meanwhile, in central Florida, three people were found dead inside an Orlando home uh, from an apparent carbon monoxide poisoning uh, event. So there are lots of dangers uh, that follow these events um, that are unrelated to the storm itself, but certainly are the result of its wake. Well, after dozens of years without a major hurricane, the United States has been hit hard in recent weeks, getting rocked first by Hurricane Harvey in Texas and then Hurricane Irma hitting Florida. And by the way, the cleanup uh, is still continuing in Hurricane Harvey. We warned at the time that the um, the media attention would quickly shift away from uh, the devastation there. It uh, now has shifted rightfully to uh, the uh, fallout from Hurricane Irma, but uh, Texas is still languishing. In both cases, the storms destroyed thousands of homes and impacted millions of lives. And in both cases, ordinary Christians beat government to the scene to aid victims who were, in fact, their neighbors. What the average American news consumer may not know is that faith-based relief groups have provided roughly 80 percent of the aid. Methodists, Presbyterians and other denominations sent out relief crews to help with cleanup after Harvey. Samaritan's Purse, the Christian nonprofit founded by Reverend Franklin Graham, uh, brought a convoy of trucks loaded with food, chainsaws, other goods. Seventh-day Adventists began dispersing bottled water, diapers, clothing, and other supplies. Mormons have also gotten in on the act, providing truckloads of water, hygiene kits, and other relief supplies for victims of Hurricane Harvey, as well as uh, opening up their 
uh, church buildings as command centers, not making a moral equivalence there, just as a side note. Uh, They'll also be sending in thousands of volunteers to help with cleanup and recovery from those storms. Well, beyond the U.S., Baptist volunteers are already on the ground in the Caribbean assessing needs there, and that's just scratching the surface. It's amazing to see churches and their volunteers already on site giving assistance from uh, before FEMA shows up. Many of these Christians are veterans of previous disaster relief efforts, able to assess needs and get to work without waiting on government uh, for direction. Oftentimes, FEMA plays a supporting role in that work, the work that churches have begun. This is the essence of the American spirit and of the Christian spirit, self-reliance and charity working hand in hand. And while the victims of these disasters rejoice at the sight of these uh, earthbound angels, if you will, come to provide assistance, not everyone is uh, pleased at non-government authorized charity. Some have sought to prohibit churches from receiving federal funds to aid in their disaster relief efforts and, in fact, the disaster relief from their own facilities. As of now, and we'll talk more about this with Travis Weber uh, later in the 5 o'clock hour, FEMA guidelines prohibit federal aid from going to any institution that allocates more than half of its space to religious programming. Again, we'll talk more about that uh, with Travis um, Weber. Uh, Last Friday, however, the president tweeted a message on the subject saying churches in Texas should be entitled to reimbursement from FEMA relief funds for helping victims of Hurricane Harvey, just like other nonprofits. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part by Zero Res. Well, here on the program for the... Uh, uh, for the next several days, you're going to hear a lot about Open Doors USA. It's a ministry that has been reaching out to the persecuted church for some 60 years, and now they're ministering in 60 countries. Well, the truth is, around the world, the persecution of Christians has reached unprecedented levels. Never before in history have so many followers of Christ experienced such severe suffering, and their need for God's word has never been greater. Persecuted believers are losing their jobs, they're losing their homes, and even their lives for the cause of Christ. So what do they need and what are they asking for? Well, they're crying out for God's word. KPDQ is partnering with Open Doors so that we can help put the word of God into the hands of persecuted Christians. As I mentioned, Open Doors has been working in the world's most oppressive countries, empowering Christians who are persecuted for their faith and providing God's word. Right now, you can help get God's word to those who desperately need it. A gift of $50 will provide 10 Bibles. 10 believers will receive a Bible. Now, it's more about it's uh, about more than just dollars and cents. It's about standing with our brothers and sisters who suffer in the most tangible way, helping them to stand strong by the encouragement of God's word. A gift of $50 will bring the word of God to 10 persecuted Christians. So let me encourage you to log on to kpdq.com. And make your gift today. Look for the uh, uh, Open Doors uh, banner at the top of the page, and you can give on our secure website. Again, kpdq.com. Well, as you know, the uh, hurricanes uh, sparked another of the uh, celebrity efforts to raise funds, which is a noble effort, but it uh, tends to morph into something a bit different. And I thought rather interesting that A-list celebrities who lectured those who were watching the telethon that took place recently for those affected uh, uh, by hurricanes Harvey and Irma have clocked up hundreds of thousands of air miles, which have fueled rising temperatures and helped create devastating storms that they suggested was the explanation for what happened in Florida and in Texas. Tuesday night's Hand in Hand, a benefit of uh, for Hurricane Harvey relief, included performances and messages from Beyonce, Justin Bieber, 
Bieber, George Clooney, Cher, Leonardo DiCaprio. They appeal to viewers to donate to help fund relief efforts after the disastrous storms hit the southern U.S. So that's a commendable effort. But an investigation from Mail Online has revealed the extent to which stars have contributed to the catastrophic weather phenomenons with their jet-setting lifestyles that they preached against during the event. Justin Bieber, for example, is calculated to have traveled at least 136,000 miles in a place over the, uh, in a plane rather, over the last year. Environmentalist uh, DiCaprio is believed to have done more than 87,000 miles, while fellow actor Clooney, 61,000. Carbon emissions from plane ju- plane uh, journeys such as the celebrities uh, cause uh, the earth temperature to heat and the resulting high ocean temperatures lead to more powerful hurricanes. That's the argument they made, but apparently consider themselves exempt from contributing to that disaster. Well, security at the State Department's Benghazi compound was so dire that another contractor was brought in to clean up the mess just two weeks before the 2012 terror attack and was later presumed to keep quiet or rather pressured to keep quiet by a government bureaucrat under then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, according to two men from the American security company. Now, why is it being brought up? Well, Hillary's new book is out and she's um, doing a lot of uh, interviews. Anyway, Brad Owens and Jerry Torres of Torres Advanced Enterprise Solutions say they face pressure to stay silent and get on the same page with the State Department with regard to the security lapses that led to the deaths of four Americans. They spoke exclusively with uh, Tucker Carlson tonight, revealing new information that undermines the State Department's account of the 2012 attack on in Benghazi, where Islamic militants launched a 13-hour assault from the 11th of September through the 12th that killed U.S. Ambassador Chris Stevens, Foreign Service Officer Sean Smith, former Navy SEALs Ty Woods, and Glenn Doherty. Torres Advanced Enterprise Solutions provides security for U.S. Embassy and consulate personnel around the world in some of the most dangerous locations spanning Africa, the Middle East, and South America. Well, Jerry Torres remains haunted by the fact that specific bureaucrats and policies remain in the State Department after the Benghazi attack, despite the change in administrations, saying a U.S. ambassador is dead and nobody is held accountable for it, and three guys all died trying to defend him. He's the company CEO and a former Green Beret himself. Asked if there was a specific effort by a senior State Department contracting officer to silence them, he said absolutely, repeating the word absolutely. Owens, a former Army intelligence officer, echoed his uh, colleague, um, saying those who made the poor choices that actually, I would say, were more responsible for the Benghazi attacks than anyone else, they're still in the same positions making security choices for our embassies overseas now, end quote. In 2012, Owens was the American company's point man in Libya with extensive experience in the region. After the death of Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi in the fall of 2011, he stressed uh, that it was well known that Islamic radicals, including al-Qaeda, tied militias, uh, were pouring into the region and security had deteriorated considerably. Based on documents reviewed, um, uh, Torres Advanced Enterprise Solutions bid on uh, the Benghazi compound security contract in the spring of 2012, but the State Department awarded the uh, deal to a UK-based operation called the Blue Mountain Group. Owens, who had personally visited the Benghazi compound to assess security, was shocked. Blue Mountain UK is a, a teeny tiny little security company, I'm quoting, registered in Wales that had never had a dip- diplomatic security contract, had never done any high-threat contracts anywhere else in the world that we've been able to find, much less in high-threat areas for the U.S. government. They had a few guys on the ground, he said. According to Torres, the Blue Mountain Group came in 4% lower in their bid, and they challenged the decision, claiming the American company should have been preferred over the foreign one. Well, Torres said State Department contracting officer 
uh, Jan uh, Visentainer, responded that the State Department had the latitude to apply that preference or not. And there was more. The Blue Mountain Group hired uh, guards through another company who were not armed. Problems soon arose one month before the attacks in August of 2012 with the Blue Mountain Group still in charge of the uh, the compound security. Ambassador Stevens and his team alerted the State Department via diplomatic cable that radical Islamic groups were everywhere and that the temporary mission compound could not withstand a coordinated attack. The classified cable was first reported by Fox News. By the 31st of August 2012, the situation had deteriorated to the point that Owens and Torres said the State Department asked them to intervene as Owens put it, an admission of the mistake of choosing the wrong company. They came back to us and said, can you guys come in and take over security, Owens said, so we were ready. But Torres emphasized that time was uh, against them, saying it would have been, it would have taken two to three weeks to get set up. Well, 12 days later, the ambassador was killed. Torres uh, learned of the attacks by watching television. He called the circumstances leading up to the tragedy bad decision making from top to bottom. There was nothing we could have done about it. Uh, if we had uh, one month warning, we, uh, who knows what might have happened. Uh, anyway, in the chaotic days following that attack, the Obama White House blamed the attacks on an anti-Islam video and demonstrations, which was uh, not accurate. As a former Green Beret, Torres, uh, Green Beret rather, Torres was stunned. Coming from a military background, I would expect the administration to tell the truth. So I, um, I bought into it for a minute, but I didn't believe uh, it, believe it in the back of my mind. He said uh, they later figured out uh, the video was not the culprit. The attack was a coordinated terrorist assault, which included a precision mortar strike on the CIA post in Benghazi. Well, Equifax, we know that, um, well, they had something of a breach. They have been hacked. And uh, Business Review Board points out that that's an inherent liability of data aggregation. How safe is your personal information? Well, the answer is, and we've discussed it here with others, not very based on the latest mass breach of data last week at Equifax, one of the three credit reporting giants impacting 143 million Americans. But it gets worse. The company said in a statement the unauthorized entry occurred mid-May through July the, uh, 2017 as criminals exploited U.S. website application vulnerability to access files ranging from Social Security numbers, birth dates, addresses and driver's license numbers. Hackers also access the credit card numbers of about 209,000 consumers in the U.S. and other documents with personal identity identifying information from about 182,000 people in the U.S. Equifax said it discovered the breach the 29th of July 2017, but did not publicly disclose the information until September 7th of this year, just a few days ago. The company waited more than a month to disclose the bad news. Now, that was plenty of time for executives to sell off $2 million in company stock. Well, consumers can find out if their data uh, was compromised at an Equifax dedicated website, which, by the way, has long since crashed and is now being questioned as being the right uh, right thing to do. But in yet another hack against those uh, whose data was compromised, accepting the free credit monitoring and identity theft protection a service Equifax uh, offered as compensation included some pretty fine print that those signing up could not be part of a class action lawsuit against the company. And after that was discovered, Equifax removed that stipulation. Well, the inherent danger of data breaches by hackers targeting personal data aggregators like Equifax is a growing and likewise is growing rather. And likewise, the company, uh, the corporation's liability for those breaches should be um, commensurate with that uh, increase in danger. We'll continue to follow that story um, as it continues.
continues to develop. We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in just a few moments, we're going to talk with Kevin Lehman. He's the uh, best-selling author, of course, but he's the author most recently of a book titled Education a la Carte, Choosing the Best Schooling Option for Your Child. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. One of the toughest and most important decisions parents face is choosing the right school for their child. Now, in my generation, it didn't really choose. You just went to school. But now there's public, there's private, charter, online, homeschool. What best fits your child? Well, combining his parenting and longtime educational expertise, Dr. Kevin Lehman, he offers help to parents in understanding their options as they wade through the confusing waters of today's school choices. Education isn't a one-size-fits-all. He lays out the different options and explains the pros and cons of each choice and how each individual child, including siblings, may thrive in a different educational setting. And because the type of schooling pursued for a child is one of the most important decisions a parent will make, understanding those choices and identifying your child's unique skills and interests will be pretty important in achieving a quality education. Well, using his trademark humor and common sense psychology, Dr. Lehman introduces parents to a menu of options to consider in making an informed decision, one that you will not, as a family, regret. Well, Dr. Kevin Lehman is an internationally known psychologist, radio and television personality, educator and speaker who's taught and entertained audiences worldwide with his wit and common sense psychology. He's made house calls through hundreds of radio and television programs. In fact, he's making one today. A New York Times bestselling and award-winning author, Dr. Lehman has written more than 50 books about marriage and family. He and his uh, wife, they live in Tucson, Arizona. They have five children and four grandchildren, so he knows what he's talking about. He joins us today once again to talk about education a la carte, choosing the best schooling option for your child. Dr. Lehman, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, hi, Georgine. Thanks for the visit. It's a pleasure to have you back. There are so many options for schools today, um, and a lot of parents um, find it too daunting to even consider, uh, you know, other than sending their child to public school, um, the other options that are available. Talk about why it's so important for parents to consider uh, the fact that there are, these days, choices to be made. Well, it's a global economy. It's a global world. The competition gets tougher for jobs. Uh, and education, like you say, used to be, well, we all went, most of us went to public school, down the street, uh, neighborhood school. Uh, you know, the days of crayons and Play-Doh, for example, in kindergarten are over. Uh, in our schools, I've started some charter schools, and our kinders read, our second graders diagram sentences. So kids are learning um, quicker, faster. They're absorbing more. In the right environment, in other environments, they're not learning much, quite frankly. So it's not just a matter, Georgine, of getting your son or daughter on the right bus, but it's getting them on the right seat on mm. that bus. I mean, if you've got a kid, for example, that loves musical theater and drama and all that, does it make much sense to send them to the public school down the street that just slashed their budget to about point zero, uh in that area? So... Again, all schools are not the same. Some public schools, for example, would have great music and drama, but most of them bare bone. Is this a, a financial decision more than anything else? I know a lot of parents would love to have a, a choice of, of places to send their kids that fit them um, better than perhaps the local uh, public school, but finances is always an issue. Is that still the case today, that that's the number one driver of where kids end up? 
I don't think so. Uh, for example, when people find out about our schools, and our schools have long waiting lists to get into them now, um, when they find out it's tuition-free, they about fall over. Now, again, I'm not the warrior for charter schools, okay? There's some charter schools I wouldn't send a dog to. Uh, there's Christian schools I wouldn't send a dog to to even that one up. But there might be just the right place for your son or daughter and think of it, parent. Does your kid thrive with people, data, or things? There's three areas right there. Is your son or daughter always taking something apart, putting it back together, loves to construct things, works well by themselves, is self-directed? You know, you might have the makings of an architect or an engineer on your hands. So kids really sort of tip their personality as a parent. And a reminder to parents, you're the best teacher your child will ever have. So... Maybe homeschooling is your choice, but even there, I know at Lehman Academy, we have a lot of homeschoolers who spend most of their day at home, and then they come over to our school, and they can uh, take science or math, or they can go online. We have an online school now, and so there's just so many choices for your son or your daughter, and I think, quite frankly, no, it's not financial. I think it's just getting the information out to parents, and that's why I think um, the title, Education a la Carte, is a pretty good title because there is a menu, and there's a lot of a la carte menus out there for parents and kids. Now, what are some of the traits uh, of the best schools? Are there is there a thread that runs through all of them that one should look for in determining if this is the place I should send my son or daughter? Well, again, is it uh, a place that you'd like to go to? Is there a warmth about the place? Do people seem to really care? Um, is it achievement-oriented? Are there high expectations for kids? And check this out. I think as a believer, this is, this is something to look for. Look for a school that places authority in the classroom teacher's hands. Now, what happens in most schools is we throw school teachers in there at the beginning of the year and say, oh, one more thing, let me have your hands. And we tie their hands behind their back because they don't have authority. Talk to any public school teacher in Portland and ask them about some of the stuff that they endure on a on a daily basis out of the mouths of kids that are sometimes shorter than the yardstick. Hmm. So authority is important because it, here's what people need to We need a teaching on this because all of our teaching on parenthood, for the most part, has been from an authoritarian-based model. And I'm here to tell you, Almighty God is not an authoritarian. He doesn't grab Georgine by the earlobe and say, you will do this, you will do that. But he is a supreme what? Authority. In his scripture says, every knee shall what? Shall bow. So when you have authority, you have firmness, you have expectations. Your yes is yes, your no is no. There's discipline in the model. And kids thrive on, on knowing that there's boundaries. And so look for a school that has that. Are they easy to find? No, they're tough to find. You um, make the point that it's time to change the conversation around education. The fact that there are um, many more options that are available. What kind of conversation do you hope to see uh, in this changing education environment that parents and educators engage in that will ultimately result in kids getting the kind of education that is in their best interest? Well, let me give you a conversation that happened across the greater Portland area today thousands of times. What'd you do in school today, honey? Nothing. Um, 
I'd like to change that to, um, Mom and Dad, guess what we did in school today? See, I think education ought to be fun. Um, we teach from a classical model, which means that uh, we have a historical timeline. So if we're studying Germany, the kids might be reading Diary of Van Frank. They might be looking at German composers or artists. And we think that integrating that, and having high expectations for kids gives kids the ability to develop critical thinking skills as opposed to rote memorization that happens in many schools. So uh, I'm optimistic. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm, I'll use a psychological term, Georgine. Maybe I'm nuts. But uh, uh, next year I'll have six schools, uh, and I want to put them across the entire country. And the model that we use, I wrote a book called Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. Uh, sold over a million copies for a reason. But those principles that are in that book come right out of St. Paul's mouth. And the principles are alive and well in our public school. We don't talk about God. We can't. We're a public school. But the principles are there. And so if little Georgine acts up, you know, she becomes a discipline problem. I always tell the parents, we'll take care of little Georgine. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but if little Georgine gets to the point where she's interrupting the education of everybody else around her, I tell the parents to expect a call from school. But they're shocked when little Georgine is on the phone and she's saying, Mom and Dad, I don't know how to behave like a, a sixth grader. You need to come pick me up now. And so, see, the built-in accountability, which is missing in our schools today, can be present in the school your son or daughter goes to. And it can happen in any kind of a school. It can happen in a public school, a Christian school, you name it. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation. Again, we're talking about the book Education a la Carte. Dr. Kevin Lehman is my guest. And just for the record... Little Georgine, my mother would have known. She, she'd live miles away, but somehow she would have known I acted up, and before I knew it, she'd be at the front door of the school, and she probably would have taken care of me right then and there. Just saying. Quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 49 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're talking with De- uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman. He uh, combines his parenting and longtime educational expertise in his latest book, Education a la Carte, and it helps you uh, find the best schooling options for your child. Well, let's talk about um, the, uh, the importance of homework and grades. Uh, when parents are considering the options available to them, wh- how should they consider homework and grades? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because, you know, I really think education ought to be in concert with the the teaching pros at the school and the parent. At our schools, we give very little homework. We never have a homework assignment due at the end of a vacation period. We have no homework done over any weekend. We believe the kids need more time with family. And let's face it, most families are just, they're starved for, for time. And so is, is homework important? Very. And some of the principles that I wrote about in, um, in Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours, vitamin E, which is encouragement, and vitamin N, which is no, those principles get put in place. For, so, for example, if son or daughter has homework in the evening, which is very common, there's a certain time to do it. And guess what? The simple principle, 
B doesn't start till A gets completed will keep a parent uh, out of doing do battle with their kids very easily, whether that kid is 16 years of age or six years of age. And it goes like this. Mom, can I go here? Can I go there? Honey, your work isn't done yet. When your work's done, come and we'll talk about it. In other words, it's realizing that any type of fighting is an act of cooperation, whether it be between husband and wife or parent and child. And what happens is kids punch up our buttons. They're hedonistic little suckers. They're manipulative. They're little con artists in many ways. And before long, you're doing the kids' homework. But I don't understand. Well, see, honey, you just do this and do that. Before long, the math problem is done by who? By you, the the parent. So, you know, one of my favorite one-liners is, hey, would you kids turn that music down on there? I'm trying to finish your homework. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we laugh, but but it's sad and true that many parents out of fear that somehow their kids are not going to get top grade, they will do the science report, the project, uh, the essay for their kids. It's crazy what we do in the name of it's good for children. I'm always reminding parents that, you know, um, a healthy child is an unhappy child. There's times in life when your son or daughter has to be unhappy. Why? Because they disobeyed you, they talked back to you, etc. I bet you didn't talk back to your mama. No, I did not. (laughs) Well, let me ask you about how a parent can know what kind of education would best fit their child. Obviously, you advocate observing the things that the the child is naturally drawn to. But but, but tell a parent how they can know which kind of education out of the options that are now available um, they might uh, be able to recognize. Well, go and visit the schools. Most schools will let you visit. Drop in that classroom. Watch the interaction with the kids. Are they actively engaged? I know when I bring people by our school, uh, when we leave the classroom, they look at me and said, Lehman, uh, I didn't know there were schools like that. I can walk in a, a, in a kindergarten class or a first grade class and ask them the question, what kind of a class are you? And they'll say, we're a respectful class or we're a kind class. Now, one of the things we know about parents today, they're very concerned about what? About safety, mm-hmm. academics, okay, and the peer group. So, listen, poke your nose in those schools. Look around. Look at your kid. Ask your kid's opinion. You know, most kids, when they come home from school, they have the same conversation. What did you do in school today? Nothing. Then they beat it to their room. Then they lock the door. They get on their cell phone and they text their buddies like a mad woodpecker that's got a bad case of ADHD. <laughs> and, and they shut us out of their life. Again, I think a school that welcomes parents. We have charter schools in Arizona that are very high ranked, but they won't let a parent on campus. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that picture? Yeah. A lot, I think. Yeah. So nobody knows your, your kids better than you do parents. So their behavior, their birth order, that little social butterfly, that baby of the family, you know, sending him over to the technical institute is probably not the brightest idea you ever came up with. But that little firstborn that's rule-oriented and doesn't like surprises and changes, that might be your, your burgeoning architect or engineer or accountant. Well, let's um, talk about a child's learning style. How can parents uh, recognize a learning style and then connect that with uh, an education um, a model that would, would work? Well, maybe your kid is an on-hands learner. Maybe from 
get go. They want to have their hands on everything. They're always in motion. They have a tremendous sense of touch. Other kids live uh, and learn through auditory uh, auditory means, musical means. Other kids visual. Uh, again, it's up to you to observe your kid because every kid sees life through their own lens. Then you do have the social butterfly. You have the guy, that the young kid, that likes to work independently by himself. I remember years ago working with an engineer who built rockets at uh, then Hughes Aircraft. And he said to me, and this is a quote, if they would just keep people away from me and let me do my engineering, I'd be fine. So, see, all of us are like snowflakes. God made each of us with different fingerprints for a reason. And your job, parent, is to be a good detective, study your own child. That's not asking too much. And to say, okay, what's this kid's natural bent? Train up a child in the way he should go. Well, in the way he should go doesn't mean the way you think he should go. It's how God would have your kid go. And every kid is different. I mean, the school teacher, you know, uh, the first day of school, she meets this little kid. And uh, her name is Rice. And she says, oh, Rice, oh, you must be Georgine's sister. Oh, my goodness, it's such a, it's such so nice to have you in our class. Well, teacher, you just made a big assumption here. Who you have in the class is little Attila Rice, the younger sister of the perfect one. And so, again, kids come in different shapes, different sizes. I'm asking you, parent, to be a thinker yourself, to figure it out. Yeah, I'm asking you to be half shrink in a way, I guess. But there is a right path for your son or daughter. And by the way, when your teacher, when your kid comes home and tells you he's got a mean teacher, get on your knees and thank God for that mean teacher. Because <laughs> chances are that mean teacher is someone that's not going to let kids run over them. And we need more teachers like that. Mm. We're talking about the book, Education a la Carte, Choosing the Best Schooling Options for Your Child. How does a parent know if a child is ready for preschool or kindergarten? Oh, that's a good one, too. Again, I sit on a board that approves these kids for early entry into kindergarten. And it's crazy what the parents will write. You know, oh, my kid can count to 10. And now they're only four years and two months, but we want them in kinder. Just in general, let's start with that. Accelerating a kid at age four into uh, kindergarten is not a good idea. But kids in general for kindergarten should know their colors are able to sit and remain reasonably quiet for a period of time, to take directions, to do just some of the basic things, follow instructions. And we see kids uh, that are on the border sometimes. We, we cut a deal with the parents. We say, listen, all right, we're, we're going we're to take a chance here. He's, he's young or she's young. And by the way, boys always mature later than little girls. Most young boys grow up by age 25, I can guarantee it. <laughs> but anyway, I digress, digress. But, you know, sometimes you make a deal with a parent. You say, listen, let's try it for a few weeks. And can we make a deal that if I feel like it's just too much of a struggle for your child that we back off a year and continue in pre-K? And so for pre-K, if you talk, I think pre-K ought to be three times a week, uh, two and a half hours a day max. Uh, obviously, kids have to be toilet trained and things like that. But here's another area. Because, Georgina, most parents are dual workers, they need a place to drop their kids off and 
pick him up 10 hours later. Now, you'd be a four-year-old. Would you like to be dropped off anywhere for 10 hours or 12 hours? I wouldn't. So the ideal for that family that's lucky enough to have a stay-at-home mom or dad in the home is three times a week, two and a half hours. Preschool's good, but it's, it's not the end of the world if a kid doesn't go to preschool. But are you reading to your kids? Bill Bennett was kind enough to endorse this book mm-hmm. for me. And Bill's been a, he's a wonderful human being. And a, um, I can't say enough about the guy. But I've never, in 59 books, I've never felt like I had to have somebody endorse one of my books. But I asked him, and he was so gracious about it. He said, I love what you're doing here, Kevin. This is a book every parent should read because our kids are not learning to read and write the way they should be. I can tell you that. Well, there's so much more in the book that our conversation is uh, too short to cover, but it's titled Education a la Carte, Choosing the Best Schooling Options for Your Child. It's very practical and will help you walk through the things you need to as a parent so that you can make decisions you can be uh, satisfied with uh, six months from now and, and several years from now. Dr. Lehman, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Appreciate it. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back after news and traffic. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Six minutes after five o'clock is the time. This hour, we'll talk with Travis Weber. He's the director of the Center for Religious Liberty at the Family Research Council. We'll talk about the role that churches are playing in the aftermath of Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. And we'll take a look at the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, their next term is about to begin. There are some pivotal cases they uh, will be listening to and others that are looking for a hearing. And we'll talk with James Blind. Yeah, I said James Blind about the new iPhone. Apparently the 8 and the X were um, previewed uh, yesterday as well as the new um, iOS operating system and um, the Apple phone. Yeah, no, the Apple um, Watch. That's what it was, the Apple Watch. Anyway, he'll join us to talk more about that. Uh, later this hour as well. Well, today, Senator Bernie Sanders officially unveiled his single-payer health care bill, Medicare for All, exposing tensions in the Democratic Party as 2020 presidential hopefuls rally behind the plan, yet congressional leaders hold back their support. The Medicare for All plan from Sanders, uh, independent from Vermont and sage of the American political left, is backed by 15 uh, co-sponsors. The list unveiled this morning includes several Democratic senators uh, thought to be eyeing the 2020 White House bid. Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, Kamal Harris of California, Cory Booker of New Jersey, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand of Gillibrand, rather, of New York. However, the top two Democrats on Capitol Hill, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, are not endorsing the plan, at least not yet. Both essentially say they have a more immediate concern of fixing Obamacare and remain open to a range of long-term solutions toward improving the country's health care system. Well, Nancy Pelosi of California told the Washington Post that she and others embrace any plan that provides affordable, accessible care for all Americans, but none of these things, whether it's Bernie's or others, can really prevail unless we protect the Affordable Care Act, end quote. Schumer, for his part, he's of course from New York, recently said he'll be reviewing the many good proposals from Democrats on uh, improving the expanding health care coverage. Of course, uh, Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat, but I assume he includes Bernie Sanders. Sanders is calling for a federally run program that would provide Americans with no cost comprehensive health insurance. Of course, there's no such thing as no cost, but it would cover everything from preventative care to prescription medications to eye exams. The Associated Press reports that the new legislation would let Americans get coverage simply by showing a government issued card and ensure they don't owe out of pocket expenses. Unclear how much uh, the bill would cost. 
the 2016 Democratic presidential candidate and self-described Democratic socialist pitched a previous version of that plan by proposing to cover costs with tax increases on businesses and the country's highest wage earners. At the time, he estimated the plan would cost about $13.8 trillion over the first 10 years. But according to an analysis by the nonpartisan Urban Institute, the single-payer system would cost the federal government uh, more like $32 trillion over the first decade, requiring an average annual tax increase of $24,000 per household. That increase would be offset, we are told, in part by the big reduction in private health care spending and state and local government spending. Sanders' office has said uh, the new proposal is different. So he rolled that out today. We'll provide some analysis in the days ahead. Well, the federal debt officially surpassed $20 trillion for the first time on Friday last as the debt subject to the legal limit set by Congress jumped uh, in one day by 317, let's see, trillion, billion, thousand, uh, following the president's uh, signing of a spending and debt limit deal uh, that will fund the government through December 8. At the close of the business day, September 7th, according to the Daily Treasury statement for uh, Friday, the total debt of the federal government was nineteen uh, trillion dollars, eight hundred and forty-four million. You get the whole thing, billion, million. Um, but this is the first time we have reached that threshold. So, um, for your children and grandchildren, it's a day of well, I, I suppose great sorrow. But for those of us who want to just postpone dealing with it, it's just another day. Meanwhile, President Trump is uh, taking his outreach to Democrats to a new level. He's planning uh, to host House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer at the White House for dinner tonight. Now, that's uh, garnered a lot of attention. What does this mean? What could possibly be the goal? What's all of those speculations? The dinner date comes after the president stunned GOP congressional leaders by striking a deal last week with two senior Democrats. For the short-term spending and debt ceiling deal, and while GOP leaders uh, want a longer-term package, the deal helped ensure immediate aid to hurricane victims while averting a government shutdown, at least for now, which is a bit of a misnomer, but we won't go over that now. Well, now Trump is uh, trying to jumpstart his legislative agenda, beginning with tax cuts and tax reform. He had dinner with bipartisan senators on Tuesday night, and will have uh, dinner with uh, Pelosi and Schumer tonight. Well, a source familiar with the uh, planned uh, get-together told uh, uh, reporters that the meeting will follow up on last week's sit-down with uh, Hill leaders. Schumer and Pelosi from New York and California, respectively, are expected to press the president on protections for DREAMers, young illegal immigrants who've been shielded from deportation under a 2012 executive order under the Obama administration that Trump has uh, since announced he intends to roll back. The Democrats also plan to discuss ways to stabilize the health care markets. The president and his aides have defended his uh, new approach to the minority uh, party, which comes uh, after some frustration at the White House over the performance of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Speaker Paul Ryan. A senior source inside the uh, meeting, the dinner rather, on Tuesday with bipartisan senators says that Trump's new strategy is to meet and work with lawmakers across the aisle, in part in an effort to shed the uh, uh, the guidance from the Reince Priebus uh, era, where the former chief of staff and his aides held the view that the president should only work with GOP leaders like Ryan and McConnell. But after the failure of the health care bill and other legislative frustrations, the president is now reverting to a strategy that's worked for him in the past before his time in the White House. The source said the president ran an unconventional campaign with unconventional methods and the conventional methods that were used in the first part of the year were not working for him. So we'll see what uh, comes out 
of this particular dinner. Meanwhile, the White House uh, today laid out its most detailed case yet for why the Department of Justice should consider prosecuting former FBI Director James Comey, calling it a clear violation of federal law to leak FBI memos to the press like Comey allegedly did. In fact, he admitted having done. Sarah Sanders, the White House press secretary, pointed to Comey's acknowledging acknowledgement rather during his June congressional hearing that he authorized the leaking of a memo about the conversation with the president to The New York Times. The memos that Comey leaked were created on an FBI computer while he was director, Sanders said during the briefing today. He claims they were private property. They clearly followed the protocol of an official FBI document, however. Sanders added leaking FBI memos on a sensitive case, regardless of classification, violates federal laws, including the Privacy Act, standard FBI employee agreement and nondisclosure agreements all personnel must sign. I think that's pretty clean and clear that that... Uh, would be a violation. Well, Comey was fired by President Trump in May. There were tensions over the Russian probe. And after he was fired, Comey had a friend leak his notes to the press after his recollection of interactions with the president. In the notes, Comey said the president encouraged him to end the investigation and to former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn. Well, back in July, though, the Comey friend, Columbia University professor Daniel Richmond, stressed that none of the memos he had were marked classified at the time. He also explained that the substance of one of the memos was given to the press, but not the physical document. Sanders has been uh, hammering Comey all week, arguing the Department of Justice should consider prosecuting him for his actions. Still, Sanders emphasized that it's up to the prosecutors and not the White House to decide whether or not something is illegal or not. Uh, On Tuesday, Sanders said the former FBI director politicized an investigation by signaling he would uh, exonerate Hillary Clinton before he ever interviewed her or other uh, key witnesses. That's uh, in reference to new allegations that he drafted an exoneration statement for Clinton weeks before interviewing her during the investigation into her email server. And the beat goes on. Up next, we're going to talk with Travis Weber. He's the director of the Center for Religious Liberty at the Family Research Council. We'll uh, look at what churches are doing in the wake of hurricanes Harvey and Irma and what FEMA is saying to churches who are seeking some relief. We'll also look at the calendar for the U.S. Supreme Court on religious liberty cases and some other things to look and listen for in the months ahead. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, as you probably know by now, the iPhone, I like to refer to it as the iPhone infinitum. That's where you can keep up with what they're doing. It's actually iPhone 8 and iPhone X was rolled out. And uh, joining me to talk about that is James Blend, who's sort of up on these things. Uh, now, you're, you've been an iPhone user for quite some time, James. I've had one for a couple of years. I've been in the with the the Apple ecosystem. I started with iPods about ten years ago, and uh, sort of been moving forward ever since into the iPhone. Probably about five or six years ago. So what was, I was an, so I was a late adopter actually, but you know I do know what I'm talking about. I think yeah. Well, what happened yesterday? What did they roll out, and what distinguishes the eight and the X from what's already out there? Well, it, it's aside course, from the price. Yeah, you know, the uh, yesterday, of course, was what what is kind of become a tradition, the annual keynote from Apple, which uh, for the first place, first time took place in their new uh, multi-billion dollar facility in in, um, in California. And uh, they, they basically just announced their new products. And the, the main ones that they announced, um, they announced some updates to their Apple TV, which um, is, um, you know, it's one of those, um, if you want into the cord cutting and you like the Netflix and, and the Hulu and, and the, be able to watch your 
you know, your t- your Apple files that you have on your iPhone and stuff, movies and things through your television. It's a good little box to have if you're into that type of thing. Uh, but of course, the main things that they that brought out yesterday were the uh, the new Apple Watch, the the two iPhones, um, and um, the uh, new operating system iOS 11. Well, let's talk about the Apple Watch. Um, what's new and improved about this version? Well, the new and improvement thing is that, of course, previously you, know, you had some Wi-Fi capabilities on it, and it connected to to your phone. Uh, now it is a phone. That's the big change. You can buy an iPhone, uh, an Apple Watch with cellular capability. Isn't that incredible? It's like the uh, cartoon characters and the uh, sci-fi people who are speaking into their arm. Very that much is, so. <laughs> and uh, the, the demonstration they showed uh, at the keynote was one of the Apple Watch developers on a uh, surfboard in the middle of Lake Tahoe uh, talking on it to show the sound quality. And it, you know... No, that's the, the big question is the sound quality. Do you have to have your... Uh, your wrist up to your ear to hear it. Uh, if if you're now, talking, now taking, in, does everybody else hear <laughs> your conversation? Taking um, taking you know the video for being real. I, I, I you know there's never been an accusation that Apple has faked a demonstration video. Um, so I, I certainly take it at its word. Um, the the um, tech had uh, her um, hand on an oar to steady herself. Both hands were on her oar to steady herself on oh, I'm the sorry, surfboard. Her, her oar. Okay, oar, thank yes, you. Oar. <laughs> You know, that you oh, paddle. A-R. Yeah, I didn't yes. realize she was on a surfboard. And um, so anyway, to, to keep her balanced so that she wouldn't fall into the water and embarrass herself in front of millions of people. Um, and um, you could hear her very clearly, and it was definitely not up to her mouth. It, her, it, it was, uh, she was probably had her arm at wrist at about hip height. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a good two to three feet from, from her mouth, and it sounded fine. So she could hear it, but you could also hear it. Correct. So that's a disadvantage. If you don't, if you were having a private conversation, you wouldn't necessarily want everyone else to hear it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, of course, that's the thing with all cell phones to an extent. Now, as far as that goes, um, last year Apple came out with those wireless yeah. earpods, and they want you to get those with this watch. Yeah. And to do that, part of that is um, that uh, you are now with those earphones specifically, because there's of course no headphone jack on this thing. Yeah. Um, headphone jacks. Well, those are so last year uh, <laughs> with Apple. So I mean, you you have a, a situation where if you get these ear pods, you are now able to use the Apple Music service, and so on your watch, you have access to the 40 million songs in Apple's library. Oh, that... So you could literally replace your iPhone with a watch now. Wow. Well, let's talk about the iPhone. They introduced the iPhone 8 and the iPhone X. What's the big deal? What's new? Well, I mean, the iPhone 8 and, of course, the 8 Plus, which is the larger, larger cousin, um, they are you know, the, the main product in the line, and they're mostly just updates to last year's 7. Um, and, and seven plus, um, in that they, they're faster, they're, they're more streamlined and, um, you know, they've got a better camera, which people really, you know, really like. Um, and you know, they've, they've improved some, you know, various security features and whatnot. Uh, but they're both basically just, you know, it's one of those things. If you've got an older iPhone, iPhone eight is great. If you're going to upgrade, if you've got the seven plus or the seven, I have the seven plus there, there's no reason to rush out and get the eight or eight plus. Um, necessarily, it, it's it's a good product, but it's not going to. There's not enough update in there to make the change. iPhone X is a different story altogether, but the price tag. Everybody's talking about the price tag. Um, you know, the rumor was going to be that it was going to be the first thousand dollar phone, the first thousand wow. dollar iPhone, and it's not. It missed by a dollar. <laughs> it's nine hundred ninety nine dollars. But <laughs> the storage capacity on that's only sixty five gig or sixty four gig. 
Um, if you want the larger capacity, you're looking at 1150. Mm -hmm. So you easily could spend well over $1,100 on the iPhone X. And for what it brings to the table, it's got to show me some stuff before it, it gets there. There's a lot of great things it does, especially with facial recognition, um, in that you can unlock your phone now with your face, and it has to be your face. A picture of you or somebody else will not work. Um, which you so know, your has, face has to have dimension. In your order face to, has yeah. to have dimension. Um, and uh, I mean, there are certain things you can do. The cameras are uh, updated. Um, the big thing, of course, you know, everybody's all about the emojis these days and the emojis, uh, which, of course, are basically little little graphics you put in your text and, and text. Um, they are now animatable with mm. your own your own expressions. And uh, you can even animate them with what you're saying and send that to somebody in the form you know, through the the iMessage app um, that uh, that Apple provides in, in their texting so it it has some it has some nice little bells and whistles. It doesn't have a home button, so it's completely button free on the front. Um, it's it, which increases the screen size, and uh, it's a nice looking phone. But boy, that price tag! I I just can't. Yeah. I personally can't get past it. Um, but uh, you know, the the one nice thing is is when you look at these phones and you go, well, I have an I have a you know an SE or a five S or a six or a seven, and you go, I, I don't want to upgrade. Well, you're getting an upgrade next week anyway, and that's cool because the new operating system, iOS 11, is released on Tuesday of next week, and it has a bunch of new features and a bunch of improvements that uh, will, will give you a lot of the features of these new phones, although definitely not some of the higher-end ones, especially with the facial recognition and uh, what they like to refer to as AR or augmented reality, which, of course, is when you take a picture and you could dump a dinosaur into it. Wow. Now, the question is for the iPhone X for example, how long before that's obsolete and you're spending 1200 to $1,500 on the next version of whatever uh, Apple rolls out? Well, you got to figure that um, Apple d does not intend for this to be the high-end model forever. I think you'll see features start to trickle down into what will inevitably be the 9 next year. Mm -hmm. um, or you know, sometimes they, they go with the S plan because so it could be the 8S and the 8S+. Plus. But uh, I think inevitably you'll see some of the features come down, and you know the, I don't know what the numbering system they'll go to. The idea is the X is to, is not it's not the tenth iPhone, it's not iPhone ten. It's it's the X, um, mainly to symbolize that it's the tenth anniversary edition of mm -hmm. iPhone. Yeah. Um, so whether or not they have another high end, I think obviously will depend on the sales. Now I think I happen to think there are probably enough Apple geeks out there to support this this specialized item. Um, I think there are enough people out there willing to spend it, and I think there's enough uh, business people out there with a big enough expense account to go ahead and yeah. you know, get one. Uh, so I think it will. You know, I think the call for a high-end iPhone is out there. Um, I would be surprised to see them priced. I mean, other than incrementally up, you know, due to you know just technology and and part availability, I don't I don't think you're going to see the fifteen hundred dollar iPhone in the next year or two. But uh, you know, it's they're not going to get cheaper. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, you mentioned just briefly the, the new operating system, the iOS 11. What, what can you expect there? You know, the thing about iOS, they, they, always, they always hype it, but it's, it's going to have uh, more, um, more features in it that will help you with um, you know, how you operate your phone and how you get into the phone, um, security features, alert systems. Uh, like, for example, one of the things that's really easy in this iOS my, my two-year-old playing with the with the phone, grabbing my phone, can get into the screen to dial nine one one really easily. 
Now, it should be easy to get into dial 911, but not so easy that a toddler can do it. And I think they've, <laughs> they've, they've made it easy if you own it and know what to do to do it. Um, but uh, I think it's hitting the power button rapidly five times, I think, brings it up now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, thankfully, I don't think, I don't think my two-year-old's going to figure that out right away, at least. Well, I've met her. She's pretty bright. She, <laughs> she might need an extra day or two, but I, I think she might eventually figure it out. I, I did catch her uh, twisting a lock today, a, a, a lock on the back of a door. I'm like, oh, she's going to be locking us out of something really <laughs> soon. So you're very, you're very possibly correct. So security a big issue in the, the iPhone series and the new I mean, operating? System. I think it's always, I mean, there's always two sides of that story, too, uh, because you have the, the, the issue of security in the sense of, you know, it's a very expensive phone and you want to be able to protect it. And it has state of the art. I mean, you know, facial recognition is pretty state of the art. Um, and um, I think that, uh, you know, I think that they've really gone the extra mile. Now, some people will say, and, and I totally get this, that do you really want Apple to have a scan of your face as facial recognition software becomes mm-hmm. more commonplace. Um, and so there are definitely security issues on the other side, I mean, especially in the, in the wake of things like Equifax and the fact that Apple iCloud has been, you know, hacked numerous times, as, as many embarrassed celebrities have discovered. Um, but uh, it, it's so there's security questions on both sides. It's how secure is it uh, for the user? And time will tell. Uh, but, uh, you know, the question is, how much information do you really want to to uh, uh, give Apple. And yeah. it's got to be your question anytime you you go into new technology. It's not just directed at Apple. It's right. Google, Microsoft, Equifax, all these, you know, everybody. Yeah. Well, it, uh, it'll be interesting to see how popular these new items are and what comes next, because surely there will be something next. I think the iPhone infinitum is probably the best way to uh, to refer to the whole thing. They hey. may steal that for the next model. I'm just saying it's yeah, a pretty they, cool title. They might. <laughs> hey, thanks, James. Not Appreciate a problem. It. All right. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we will be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. This is our final segment. Well, beginning today and through the next week, you're going to be hearing a lot about Open Doors USA. KPDQ is partnering with Open Doors to help bring attention to the plight of persecuted Christians all around the world, and in particular in those areas where being a Christian is the most difficult. Around the world, the persecuted Christians have reached unprecedented levels, and we think you need to know about that. Their need for God's Word has never been greater. For many of those who suffer, who struggle, uh, they don't have the Bible. Well, persecuted believers are losing their jobs, they're losing their homes, they're even losing their lives for the cause of Christ. So what do they need and what can we do? Well, the truth is they're crying out for God's Word. Now, KPDQ is partnering with Open Doors so that we can help put the Word of God into the hands of persecuted believers. Open Doors, for the last 60 years, has worked in the world's most oppressive countries, empowering believers who are persecuted for their faith and providing God's Word so that they can find the same encouragement that you and I find in opening our Bibles. Uh, Now, right now, you can help get God's Word to those who desperately need it. We're asking listeners of KPDQ to consider a gift of $50 to provide 10 Bibles to believers in very difficult places. Now, this is about more than dollars and cents. It's really about standing with our brothers and sisters who suffer in the most tangible way, helping them stand strong. Again, your gift of $50 will bring the Word of God to 10 persecuted Christians. So please give now by logging on to kpdq.com. You can look for the Open Doors banner at the top of the page and give generously. We're recommending $50. That's 10 Bibles. And those Bibles will be placed in the hands of those who at this very moment 
everyone are crying out for for God's word. I I can't imagine being a, a follower of Christ without his beautiful word to guide me, to teach me, to repu- uh, reprove me when necessary. And that uh, that happens uh, more often than I'd like to uh, uh, like to admit. And these believers deserve that same opportunity to open God's word and find in assurance of, of Jesus ministry and what uh, the promises that he's made and so on. So KPDQ dot com. You can learn more about open our open doors rather and uh, make your contribution today. Well, we um, uh, we want to. Uh, remind ourselves that earlier today there was a an event that took place involving high school students and it just it presents another opportunity for us to remember how desperate our nation is in need of Christ and we bring him as followers of Christ uh, into every uh, environment every situation we find ourselves in and i i hope i assume that uh, as those who love Jesus that the love of Jesus is uh, is pouring out of us and as I think about the Spokane school or the school just outside of Spokane where there was a shooting earlier today, apparently the young person involved was not bullied. He was very popular. He was considered very funny and kind of weird by his classmates. He had been joking around about uh, perhaps being jailed uh, with some of his fellow students who reported that to the school administrators. Um, and today he brought a weapon to school or, or she, we don't know much about the shooter, um, brought the weapon. One was killed. Uh, several others were wounded. And it's a reminder that we need to be praying for our schools. And perhaps you live in a neighborhood and there's a school that has a particular name. It services kids in your community. We need to make a commitment. I'm speaking to myself. I'm not just lecturing others. I need to make a commitment to pray for the schools in my neighborhood, for the teachers. So many of them are dedicated to um, to doing their very best in very difficult situations. A lot of these kids struggle in their home life, and uh, these teachers are charged with uh, with teaching them. And there's lots of other responsibility that's heaped on to that uh, to that charge. We need to be praying for the teachers, for the administrators. Uh, in some cases, there are security in schools, and those individuals are responsible for overseeing the safety of students and for the kids themselves. Uh, people who live down the street, across the street, down the road, uh, praying for them. And I know that there are many churches that have partnered with schools in our community, and I am so grateful um, to hear about those partnerships. And I know in some cases the school actually calls the church when they need help in, in certain areas, and that's how it ought to be. The church is a place you can go for refuge and help, and you know that there are people there who are motivated by their love for uh, for others who are willing to serve. Uh, and I hope that more and more of our churches are in that position. But I just grieve that the death of one individual, and at this point I'm not even clear on if it's a student or a member of the faculty. I believe uh, the uh, fatality was a student. But it's just a reminder that as school is now uh, begun in earnest and most kids are in school, we need to be praying for their safety and um, for those who are uh, charged with overseeing them. It just uh, it breaks my heart. Uh, and I know it breaks your heart as well. Uh, also, uh, tomorrow uh, we're going to, well, in fact, I'm not sure what we have tomorrow. I'm not sure we have a guest scheduled tomorrow. Do we have uh, Sean McDowell is our guest, James just tells me. And the book we're going to be talking about, which I better start reading right away, James, is, yeah, he doesn't remember either. <laughs> Awkward. Anyway, he'll uh, get that information to me. See, the way it happens is I 
uh, get books. I get uh, sometimes just a one sheet that outlines what the book is about. And I take some time and, and uh, review that and determine whether or not it's a subject about which I think would, it would make an interesting segment. And then I pass that all off onto James. And I'm pretty much focused on what I'm doing today. And then James books the guests. He gives me the information and then I can prepare for those interviews. However, in the hustle and bustle of the day, I didn't quite get that one. So I got my work cut out for me this evening. Anyway, we'll talk with them. Um, yeah, James. Sean McDowell is, of course, the son of Josh yes. McDowell, and he's uh, speaking about the new edition of his dad's uh, classic book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Absolutely. That's precisely what we'll be talking about tomorrow. Again, I've got my work cut out for me. Thanks, James. Uh, so that's what's coming up uh, tomorrow. And then on Friday, we're going to lighten up and have a bit of fun. Uh, just one thing I wanted to mention again, since I started out the program, uh, many of you knew that uh, know that my husband, Dan, had had a heart infection and for some time had been in the hospital and then underwent a six week um, treatment with antibiotics. He is back in the hospital and the Infection has not only continued in the mitral valve, but has now migrated to another area of the heart. We're not sure what the uh, treatment prescription will be. He's uh, there waiting, and we're waiting for the doctors. Apparently, there's a collaboration of some of the most talented cardiologists and infectious diseases doctors and surgeons who are getting together to review his case to make recommendation as to what uh, will happen next. And so we are waiting for that direction, um, and he's waiting in the hospital while... I'm waiting here. In any event, uh, many of you have been praying, and I have uh, so appreciated that, and and Dan is encouraged by it as well. I just wanted to ask if you would once again lift my husband, Dan Rice, up in prayer as his uh, future is uncertain. But one thing that we are absolutely certain about, God is good, that he uh, has got this, and uh, so we're trusting in him. There's not uh, an anxious heart. We are um, you know, waiting for what you know could be a very serious uh, prescription, but Um, We're trusting God, but we really would appreciate your prayers, and I'll try to keep you updated as uh, things move forward. All right. want to thank Clark Hilton for engineering today's program, James Blend for engineering a portion of and producing all of today's program, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.